one aspect of this show that has become part of the program right through uh, its run has been a wrap-up of the week, the federal politics with Michael Packey, our national political correspondent who joins us now. Hello, Michael. G'day, John. Now, uh, we began the program today, we played a little bit more of Malcolm Turnbull, who's essentially been bashed up all day over his comments in London about how he uh, he was only rolled because he, he was looking like he might win the election. Uh, now, I had my say on that, but can you correct me on something? When he was Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull was constantly complaining, with some justification, that every time the news poll people moved into the field for one of their three-day uh, runs of asking people questions, Tony Abbott would pop up in the news, he'd find a reason to be in the news, and Turnbull suspected he was trying to pollute the results of the news poll. That was constant, Oh, absolutely. It? That's what uh, Malcolm Turnbull and some other Liberal MPs right. did think at the time. So Malcolm Turnbull, who's been nowhere suddenly pops up. He's in all the headlines today. Uh, am I right that the news poll people are heading into the field today? Yeah, my understanding is they uh, headed into the field uh, yesterday, so Thursday. They normally go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, collate them on the Sunday, then publish them on the uh, Monday. So the last time there was a news poll was two weeks ago. There's a, a news poll every fortnight. So they would have been uh, in the field yesterday, today and tomorrow. Yeah. Now, wh- why it's important, see, I, I think we can get carried away with these mm. polls because there's a few points in it and there's uh, margins yep. of error. But uh, we had the Ipsos poll, which had everyone thinking that maybe the government was, was coming back. We've had the whole border security thing and then news poll came out, no change. Yep, that's right. So so this one's really important because in the end you can have one result, but if you, if you keep getting the same numbers, if nothing's moving, that suggests that uh, something's that things, on. That things aren't. That thing you're just make having no traction. Oh, absolutely. And it has been a week where uh, you know they've they've attacked Bill Shorten over so many different things, but there have been uh, there's been a lot of talk about wages not moving, people's circumstances not being mm. all that good, and if people aren't feeling that good about it, mm. that doesn't make them inclined to put their hand up and say, yeah, I like this mob. Yeah, look, absolutely right. I think that when it comes to these news polls, what we've got to keep in mind, it's all about trends and the trends that do emerge. And the trend, the news poll is considered the most uh, reliable out of all of the polls that are out in the uh, marketplace. And generally, the news poll has shown that Labor would win the election. It's got about, you know, a six-point lead in general and has held onto that six-point lead over the past six to eight months that uh, Scott Morris and has been uh, in charge, uh, you're quite right. And now what's happening this week is that uh, the government has tried to shift the debate onto security. We had Scott Morrison on Christmas Island touring through those detention facilities, which he says he now has to reopen at a cost of $1.4 billion because of these changes to border laws. But at the same time, you had... uh, economic growth figures, which are anemic at 0.2%. And you also had uh, Bill Shorten giving his speech at a business summit, talking about wages and saying that uh, the reason that the economy really isn't growing is because people's wages aren't growing and whatever wages they do get, they're keeping their pocket or have to spend it on high cost of living. Yeah, look, I did observe at the start of the uh, the program and, and you covered this. See, I, my, my theory on Malcolm Turnbull is probably similar to Julie Bishop. There's a lot of people look at them and think, you know, they they, they look at what they want out of mm. out of a politician and they say, well, and they attribute that to, to Malcolm Turnbull. So, so when he got in, there were people in the centre who thought, well, he's going to be he's going to be bigger on renewables and climate change, mm. when in fact he, he he didn't say much about it at all. He was always yep. having an each way bet. Yep. Other people looked into, well, he's a businessman, he's been very successful, but he just didn't seem to stand for anything. 
and so he disappointed everyone. And uh, you know, so so you've got that situation. Then in the 2016 election campaign, he was dreadful. Yep. He was, I w- he was appalling. Oh, well, I was on that campaign and I did a couple of weeks uh, with him and a couple of weeks with Shorten and the contrast was unbelievable. Basically, when you were on the Shorten bu- on the uh, on the Turnbull bus, all you do is uh, you'd have you might go to uh, an electorate in the morning, there'd be a little job like a press conference and he might tour a factory or whatever and that would be it. There'd be nothing else that would happen for the rest of the day. And then uh, you go onto the shortened bus and sometimes you'd be visiting two or three electorates. There might be two or three press conferences and things that you were constantly on the move. Even when Tony Abbott was contesting the 2010 election, some of the stunts that he pulled, but he was out there on the hustings. And Turnbull, I mean, I was on an overseas trip with Turnbull um, after he did manage to scrape through and win that election. And I remember saying to him, and I said, uh, you know, why didn't you seem to enjoy the election campaign? Even though you won, you got through by one three seat, but you didn't seem to enjoy campaigning. And he admitted, he goes, well, look, I don't regard election campaigns as being real. He said, they're faux. He goes, I don't like, um, he goes, I don't think that election campaigns should even exist as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, this is the, uh, and this is what he said to me yeah. to my face. Yeah, well, look, and look, I actually recall, because he fancies himself as the smart bloke in the room. Yep. He loves debating. Everyone knows who I am. And, and he loves debating. Yep. He fancies himself, yep. you know, as someone who, who's got the gift of the gab and I can think quickly on my feet. I'm a barrister. Yep. So in court, you've got you've to improvise. I remember seeing him and I, I thought, this is, this is, they're in trouble here. Mm. It was the uh, it was the debate. It was one of the debates where he he and Bill Shorten were on the floor, mm. and there were questions about the Banking Royal Commission, and Shorten saying, "Well, we're going to have one." And Malcolm Turnbull was trying to structure his argument for no Banking Royal Commission. And I thought, well, if if this was someone like a Paul Keating who 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 thought quickly on his feet. I reckon Keating would have would have quickly summed up the situation, say this is a disaster. I reckon Keating would have gone, listen, we're going to look at having one because I think at that point it was so obvious yep. he was stuffed that position he was having of saying, oh no, we we don't need to have one. Yeah. He, he, it was ridiculous. Look, absolutely. And and the excuses that they were making saying that uh, we don't need to have a banking royal commission because there's all these other yep. inquiries taking place. But, you know, in terms of a communicator, I don't think he was ever the good communicator no. that people have said that Terrible. he is. He was terrible. And the other thing, though, is, um, and I think, you know, people will argue who it is, and I happen to cover him. I I think Bob Hawke is close to our greatest prime minister because of the changes that he presided over during the 80s that set us up for prosperity. He was a pretty ordinary communicator. Uh, When he he was given a free reign, he just very, very wordy, but he was surrounded by some really good people. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly particularly as, uh, you know, Keating riding shotgun. Absolutely. Uh, They were a terrific team. We absolutely. saw the same with Howden and, and Costello, uh, and Costello yeah, as well. Absolutely. Look, just hang on there. We're going to take a break. It's 11 minutes to 8 or to 7 in Queensland. That is Friday Feedback. 131873 is the number. We're looking at the week uh, that was with uh, Michael Pucky, our national political correspondent. Can I just, I think we should just review a little conversation we had hmm. during the ad break because I've been doing Ross's show uh, during the week at Money News. We've talked a little bit about one of the key policies that Labor is putting forward, this is negative gearing. Mm. Now, we don't know yet when it would come in, and we don't know the detail of it. Now, we had a call earlier in the week uh, to the show who said that they'd spoken to a Labor MP, their local MP, who'd said, well, if you do a big renovation, then that house thing could be negatively geared. Now, that's because negative gearing will still be available for new properties. Mm. 
Now, I'm assuming if you do a knockdown rebuild, so you buy an old, you buy a house, you knock it down, you rebuild it, that I assume qualifies as a new home. Because a block of yeah. apartments, that's being built on on a piece of land on which something else existed. So I'm assuming that's the well, case. Well, I think that that's a, a good question from that listener because uh, I'm actually not too sure if that would be the case because you're quite right. Um, the Labor Party hasn't really spelt out how this negative gearing policy uh, would work because I was under the impression that it would only be uh, applied to new housing stock. So if there's a new, uh, let's say there's a new area that's being built with new homes or units and that you decided to buy into them that as an investment you would get some sort of negative gearing concession because it was a new property a new property but but, but see the argument but you're talking would be about, yeah. that that say a a, yes. a a housing development is on a piece of land that may have been two or three blocks yep. that are consolidated yep. so they're new so the other question would be if you take a place and you maybe maintain the facade yep. as heritage listed but you rebuild it completely yep. Is that a new home well, that, for tax purposes? I, I think that that's a question that needs to be clarified because I'm you, not too sure. And, and might you then have people saying, all right, well, I'll, if, yes. if there's a formula created which says, all right, if you renovate uh, 80% of a place, 75%, it's considered whatever, new. then you could negatively gear that. Yep. Uh, so so all of those questions come in, into play. And I'm pretty sure this is right, uh, that when Paul Keating did this in the 80s, uh, when they eliminated mm. negative gearing, what they did then was not not allow it for new properties. What they did was they introduced a depreciation allowance. Yep. So negative gearing went all together for property, and you had a depreciation allowance yep. for new property, which they regarded as uh, the incentive to, to try and to, build new properties to, to build new. Well, I think that this is something that Chris Bowen and Bill Shorten do need to explain, and they're going to have to explain it before the election be the question. because they're going to be constantly asked this question about how their policy on negative gearing is actually going to work yeah. and, and, and when it kicks yep. in. And, and, and this is where now, this is where you could imagine, see, you've got David Spears, you've got, yep. uh, you've got Chris Bowen, yep. and then you've got the memory of the birthday cake yep. interview. And the birthday cake interview was where they decided to exempt fresh food from their yep. GST and suddenly... Where's the line? So if you do the same thing with negative gearing, and you ask if you aren't able to cla- to specify where Very all this lies and easily and make it simple, yep. And you sound confused. Yep. That could be a disaster. I think that that's a good one for Speezy to really be uh, starting to get his teeth into. Pass it on to him. I will. All I right. will. Okay. So at the moment, we've got a New South Wales election uh, uh, tomorrow fortnight. Yep. Um, and that's going to be fascinating. The the National Party, they're very worried about the regional areas. And the same applies in uh, at, at, at the federal uh, level. Oh, absolutely. Uh, all right. We've only got about a few well, seconds. Well, you're just with the National Michael Party. Michael McCormack yeah. is, is utterly hopeless. Yeah. They're talking about Barnaby Joyce coming back, but there's some that love him and some can't stand that's him. That's right. So so I'd say that Michael McCormack will take him to the election. Potentially, Barnaby Joyce could uh, be yep. the new leader after the election. After the election. Mm. All right. And when the election, what uh, what part of April do you think? Or May? It'll be sometime in Probably May. Probably May 18, I reckon. All right. Okay. Michael, terrific. No uh, problems. You, you, you enjoy uh, the, the winter. It'll be very, very busy for you.